You've got shit. I've got shit. We've all got shit. So let's therapize that shit with your host, me, Joy Gerhard. Please note, I am not a therapist. I cannot and do not diagnose anyone or prescribe anything. This is just me, someone who struggles with my emotions and with intrusive thoughts, sharing what skills I've used and how I've used them. Also a trigger warning, in this podcast I talk about sensitive topics including mental illness, suicidal ideation, self-harm, rape, childhood sexual assault, trauma, and more. I also (laughs) swear here and there, so listener discretion is advised. Okay, welcome, welcome. Um, This is my first episode that I'm recording since I got my website up, and um, so you can go check that out. It's therapize, T-H-E-R-A-P-I-Z-E dot joy uh, dot com and uh you can go check that out i've got resources up there so if i mention um particular uh, uh books or instagram accounts or um uh, various and sundry other resources i will post those there along with just kind of um high level notes about each episode so i'm um, Gonna be like fully official. Um, so today we're gonna do something a little bit different. Um, today we're gonna be talking about acceptance, and that's not the different part because that's kind of an ongoing thing. Um, but what I had done is a while ago recorded myself in the middle of a very very strong emotion. Um, I was experiencing a lot of sadness. And I thought, what a great opportunity to actually practice the skill of acceptance in the middle of a very strong emotion and to record myself doing it um, so that you can hear what it sounds like. And before I play that recording for you, I wanted to go over what acceptance is. um, Because I, at least for me, when I first encountered the concept of acceptance, it felt very... um, detached. Like I think of people like, um, you know, like actual gurus, spiritual gurus, um, like the Dalai Lama, people who are kind of in another plane of existence and they can do that. And it's not for people like us, (laughs) us lay people, us plebs. Um, It certainly didn't feel accessible to me at all. And it also kind of felt like almost divorced from reality. Um, Like it wasn't acknowledging reality. And acceptance is, in fact, the exact opposite of that, as it turns out. So that was my own misunderstanding of it. Um, I guess it felt like acceptance was kind of like rolling over and taking it. You know, just like, be like, fine, you can treat me however you want to. Fine, you can say to me whatever you want to. You know, I have no agency. This is just how life is going to go. So clearly, I mean, even as I'm saying these, these are some, I had conflicting beliefs about acceptance. So 
what acceptance is, and I'm using now um, the DBT manual. Um, DBT stands for Dialectic Behavioral Therapy. Um, and that's a, a therapy type that I keep coming back to in a lot of these episodes. You can find a link to the PDF on my website. And you can find a link to my website in the description. Um, and you can also find a link to um, where you can buy it, uh, buy the manual. So um, DBT has four sections to it, one of which is distress tolerance. And I don't know that I've explained this before, what distress, what distress is. Um, so I, I think this is a, a pretty frequent therapy term, SUDS, S-U-D, and then the plural of it is S-U-D-S. But SUD is a su- subjective unit of distress. So it's basically asking the question, like, how amped up are you on whatever emotion you're experiencing? Zero is you are cool as a cucumber, totally chill, nothing's wrong, your system is relaxed, um, you are not on high alert, you're just like vibing out. And then 100 is the most distressed you've ever been in your life. Um, If you are like me and you have a lot of um, self-harm or suicidal ideation, distress level 100 is life-threatening, right? Um, if you don't have that, those experiences, distress level 100 um, is like the most out of your mind you've ever been. Wailing in grief or, you know, throwing things in anger, just like as as distressed as you can be, as like your body is as aroused as it can be. So distress happens. I mean, it's all subjective units of distress. Um, Distress tolerance kicks in at around 70, 70 to 100 is where we need to use distress tolerance skills. Because when you're over 70, the thinking part of your brain that can do problem solving and kind of do higher level, like long-term thinking, um, considering other people's experiences, like compassion, all of that sort of stuff, all of that goes offline. Like we actually, when we are that distressed, we don't have access to those parts of our brain. Your whole body is in like survival mode. So this is where distress tolerance skills come in. And radical acceptance is a form of distress tolerance. So if you're following along in the DBT handbook, this is distress, I have such a hard time saying that, distress tolerance handout 11. And um, radical acceptance is for use when you can't stop or change a painful event or um, painful emotions. So some some very intense examples are, you know, somebody died and you're grieving. Um, you know, you failed an exam. Um, you know, you're having an outdoor wedding and it's raining. Um, there, there's a global pandemic. Um, you know, your flight got canceled or, you know, somebody broke up with you. There's a a lot of things that are outside our ability to control. 
And emotions that go with it can often be outside our ability to control. Grief is, I'm thinking a lot about grief these days. Um, But that's an example of, you know, if somebody died, um, that those emotions often feel like they're outside of our control. So given that I can't change, that somebody important to me died, or that my partner broke up with me, this is where acceptance comes in. And radical acceptance basically means accepting it all the way. So it's total acceptance, not partway dip your toe in levels of acceptance. So what needs to be accepted? Just the facts. Just the facts, Jack. Um, Reality as it is. So what is currently happening and what has already happened? There's all sorts of things we accept without question. I mean, if I told you, you you know, that I was born on a Tuesday, you would probably go, okay. (laughs) Joy was born on a Tuesday. Um, You accept that and you behave accordingly, whatever that entails. Um, On a normal day, if we look out the window and it's raining, we, I think most of us, if there's no emotional charge, would accept it and say, okay, it's raining. So if it's raining, I need to, you know, bring my raincoat or bring my umbrella or, you know, take public transportation instead of walking or I need to turn off my sprinklers or I need to move inside. Like if I'm, you know, if I have patio furniture that's not waterproof, I need to move that inside. Um, you know, I need to roll up my car windows. Like those are things we do when we look at the reality and say, okay, that's what's actually happening. Now, what do I do given that that is the fact? Where we get into trouble is when we have interpretations and strong emotions about the facts that have us reject or resist the facts. So It's not a normal day and it's raining. It's your wedding day and you had an outdoor wedding planned and it's raining. You know, you might have the thought, well, my wedding's ruined. (laughs) Like, what's the point? I have all these beautiful plans. And so we're not talking about accepting the thought, my wedding's ruined. I don't have, you don't have to accept that your wedding's ruined. We actually don't know if your wedding is ruined. Um, If we accept that it's raining, there's some beautiful opportunities for, for silliness and, and fun in the rain during a wedding. And if that's not consistent with your vision for your wedding, it's like, great, let's erect a tent. Let's move the chairs inside. Like there's, there are problem-solving things that can turn a shitty situation into not, the, not like the perfect ideal situation, but significantly better. And we don't have access to that stuff. We don't have access to the problem solving and to, you know, alternative ways of being uh, if we are not accepting. So the past has to be accepted because it's already happened. There's no way to change the past. The present has to be accepted because it's happening right now. And if I go to change something, I'm actually changing the future not right this second. So we need to accept the past, the facts about the past, not our interpretations. 
and we need to accept the facts about the present. And facts are can oftentimes be really challenging to disentangle from our interpretations. Like that scenario I just mentioned, you look out the window on your wedding day and you see that it's raining and you had an outdoor wedding planned and you might not even have the thought, it's raining, my wedding is ruined. You might just look out the window and go, my wedding is ruined. Like it can happen, the interpretations and our beliefs about the facts can be so close, so closely tied to the facts themselves that it can oftentimes be really hard to tease them apart. And the purpose of acceptance is, again, like I mentioned, it's a distress tolerance skill. It is to help us tolerate a distressing situation that we cannot change. And that is, I mean, if you, I used to think that, you know, acceptance would make everything better. I mean, it does. It does make things better. It does not perfect them. It does not, it does not make things undo. You know, it won't bring a dear friend back to life. It won't make the rain stop. Um, it won't change that you failed that test or that your partner broke up with you or with me in this case. Um, what it does is it, it moves you from suffering into pain. Suffering is pain without acceptance. It's like, I hate to say wallowing because it really does sound judgmental. Um, it's like move, moving in and taking up shop, setting up shop, taking up residence and being like, well, I guess this is just how my life goes now. So, and that's an assumption or a prediction or a judgment. None of these things are facts. Assumptions, predictions, and judgments are not facts. Facts are things that can be observed, how you feel, that you had a thought, that you had an urge, or that you had a body sensation. So to kind of get at that in a little bit more creative way, when I try to figure out what a fact is, I picture an alien from another planet who's not even like a carbon-based life form, like completely different from anything we can imagine, sitting in the corner, and this alien has instruments that can pick up sounds and sights and stuff. What would those instruments see? And the reason I use this as an example, the, the alien in the corner, is because Oftentimes we don't fully understand what are our facts and what are facts and what are our interpretations. And a great story about that, I my last hospitalization and stay in a psych ward, one of the fellows who worked there um, was from uh, Eastern Africa. I don't remember which country. But um, culturally for him, eye contact was a sign of disrespect. So if you made eye contact with somebody, um, that was, that was disrespectful. And he's relaying this story to us. Um, and it was a huge culture shock for him coming to the United States where 
if you refrain from making eye contact, so you're constantly looking away, people will assume you're weak, you're lying, you're trying to hide something, you're embarrassed. Like the the more effective thing, the thing that's more socially acceptable in the U.S. is to make eye contact. So. If somebody's not making eye contact with me and I say, oh, they're disrespecting me, that's an interpretation. That is not the facts. Even if culturally we all agree that is a sign of disrespect, it still isn't the fact. The fact is that person didn't make eye contact with me. My interpretation or the thought I had when I saw that person make eye contact, not make eye contact with me, was that person's disrespecting me. So getting back to our alien in the corner with their little instruments, what does that alien see or hear? Um, You know, how loud is my voice? What are the words that I'm saying? Um, what is my body posture? How, what are my facial expressions? So those are facts. And then there's a subcategory of facts that the alien can't pick up on. Um, unless we assume this alien has the power of tele, te- telekinesis? Telepathy. There we go. So one of the instruments that the alien has, it gives the ability to look inside my body and read my thoughts and see what my body sensations are. Because those are also facts. If I'm having a pounding, you know, my heart is pounding in my chest, or if I am having the thought, oh, we're doomed. I'm having the thought, my day is ruined. I'm having the thought, no help is coming. I'm all on my own. No one will ever love me. Um, those are all facts. I'm. It is a fact that I'm having those thoughts. Those thoughts aren't necessarily pointing to fact. And we will go over this over and over and over and over and over again because it is so important that it is a fact that I had the thought. I can have the thought, I am a pink elephant. I just had that thought, I'm a pink elephant. Having that thought doesn't make me a pink elephant. I can have that thought a thousand times a day and it does not mean that the truth is that I'm a pink elephant. The fact is, I had the thought that I'm a pink elephant. So, um, kind of bearing that in mind, um, I'm about to now introduce the audio clip that you're going to listen to. And I want to also say something else about radical acceptance, and this is at the bottom of Distress Tolerance Handout 11 that rejecting reality doesn't change reality. Refusing to acknowledge reality doesn't change it. Refusing to acknowledge that it's raining doesn't change it. Refusing to acknowledge that a dear friend has died doesn't bring them back. And acceptance doesn't necessarily mean you feel great afterwards. What it does do is that it, it tempers the feelings. Um, it moves them out of despair and into something that we can handle. 
Um, and you'll see this in the clip I'm about to play. Like I am crying pretty much through the whole thing. And there's, there's peaks and valleys. But I end the clip crying. And I didn't feel like I started the clip feeling really hopeless. And that is not where I ended up. So, and this is on the, that distress tolerance handout 11, that acceptance may lead to sadness, but deep calmness usually follows. And refusing to accept reality can keep you stuck in whatever emotion you're experiencing, like it doesn't move. The path out of hell, as Marsha Linehan says, is through misery. By refusing to accept that misery is a part of climbing out of hell, you fall back into hell or you get stuck there. And that's, that can be really hard. I mean, I struggle with accepting that part of it. Like, I don't even want to be here in the first place. Like, I don't want to be sad in the first place. I don't want to be broken up with in the first place. I don't want my friend to have died in the first place. Are you telling me that I have to accept that? Accepting it's not going to bring them back or undo the thing. No, it won't. What it does is it changes the way we feel about the thing. And that's not to say it's all rainbows and sunshine and puppy dogs. It just, like I said, it tempers it. It goes from being despondent, hopeless grief to bittersweet grief. Um, it goes from being, you know, from being again, despondent, that's the word of the day, about um, being broken up with and the life that I thought I was going to have ending to acknowledging, okay, well, now what do I need to do? There's still sadness. Of course, there's still sadness. Um, so I wanted to clarify that we will keep going over this over and over again, because this is one of the, I don't know about you, this is not a skill that I learned. As a child, there is very few, there are very few examples of it in social media or regular media, books, TV shows, movies, music, the news. There's not a lot of examples of people doing this and doing it effectively. So it makes sense. None of us would have this skill or very few of us would have that skill. So given that, I am now going to introduce you to a recording that is from, I'm going to get the exact date for you. Hang on just a second. Um, it was about two weeks after the breakup. And, oh, even less time than that, actually, like a week and a half after the breakup. So that is where I'm at emotionally. And now you get to listen to it. So lucky you. I, I, I don't know what to say. I, I wanted to, to spend the rest of my life with him. Build a life, build our life together. 
What do I accept? I accept the facts. The, the facts are that I'm having the thought that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with him. The, the facts are that it fucking hurts. I feel really sad. I'm fucking heartbroken. Um, the facts, the facts are I had to move out of the apartment. The, the, the home that we built together. <laughs> living with my parents again. <laughs> that is that is a fact. I don't have to accept that this will be always and forever because I can't tell the future. I'm having the, the thought that uh, there's no hope. I, and I can accept that I'm having the thought that there is no hope. Because that is actually the thought that I'm having. I do not have to accept that there is no hope. I just have to accept that I have the thought that there's no hope. Um, I'm, I'm having the thought that... Oh, um... That I'm, I'm having the thought that I have to start all over again. I don't have to accept anything about how that process will go because I don't know how that process will go. Um, I am having the thought that it's gonna be awful and horrible and uncomfortable. And I'm having the thought that I will be comparing everything with any new person to my experiences with him. Oh, I'm having that thought. And I accept that I'm having that thought. I do not have to accept that that is what will happen because I don't know what will happen because I can't tell the future. <laughs> My life will amount to nothing. I have no... I'm having the thought that I have no goals or ambition or direction or purpose. I don't have to accept that I have no 
goals or ambition or purpose. Like, except that I'm having that thought that I have. None of those things. And, uh, I can accept that I I can't see those things right now. If they're true, if I do have them, I can accept that I can't see them right now. I can accept accept that this this hurts. God damn it. I I can't accept it. Feeling really fucking sad and really fucking lonely for my partner. (laughs) He's not my partner anymore. I can accept that my life is not currently going the way I thought it was going to go. I thought I would be living with him. Sharing my life with him. Building a future together. And even, I mean... Even if we continue, we stay friends and hang out and stuff. It won't be what I thought it was going to be. I don't even know if that's the fact, actually. Because I don't know what the future is going to look like. Um, I'm having the thought that it won't be what I thought it was going to be. I'm having, and that the fact is that it currently isn't what I thought it was going to be. And I have no idea what it's going to look like. I am having a lot of anxiety and sadness about what I think it's going to look like. Um, based off of my last experience dating. And we haven't, I mean, I haven't gotten into this at all with anybody on this podcast yet. Um, I, uh, In uh, April of 2019, I went on a date with a guy who uh, sexually assaulted me on our date, Um, which is uh, not unusual um, that I've had that experience, um, I think it's nine times, eight times. I have to tell them up. 
um, that that time in April of 19 um, it was the first time it had ever happened on a first date. Um, yeah, I was not doing great when I met my former partner, um, which happened three months after that. So I'm having the thought that, you know, I have to go back to that place. That is a thought that I'm having. And it makes sense that I'm having that thought because, um, For a while there, I was eight for eight. Eight of the guys that I had dated um, of the eight guys that I had dated at one point, eight of them had sexually assaulted or raped me um, at various points in our dating history. Um, And I was having the thought that, you know, that was just how it was going to go. And, uh, that doesn't, yeah, that was just kind of my expectation of how dates were going to go. Um, and there was really no way of knowing. Um in advance of seeing it coming. um, I'm having the thought that my experience with my my former partner um, was a fluke because he did not sexually assault me or abuse me in any way, shape or form. I don't know how I found him. I don't know how I got so fucking lucky after that just nightmare string of, I mean, fuck. It started in 2012. And went all the way into uh let's see 2018 um before finally uh I broke the pattern went on some dates that did not result in sexual assault which is great um and then had that experience again that April Um, I am not in the same place that I was then. I know different things now. I have different experiences now. I have different standards now. I do not have to accept that I've gone backwards. I do not have to accept that I'm in the same place as I was back then. 
I can accept that I'm having those thoughts. And those thoughts are not fact. It is fact that I'm having them. And they are not fact. Um... So, I imagine anybody listening to this would ask or wonder what the fuck is the benefit of any of this, given that I'm still really fucking sad and crying and just really fucking sad. Um, I can tell you what the benefit is. Um, I... I'm not spiraling right now. Spiraling um, looks a lot different than this. This is just deep, deep, deep sadness. Um, what it is not, it is, it is hopelessness light. Um, you know, the non-fat version of hopelessness. Um, or like the La Croix version of hopelessness. It has a slight flavor of hopelessness without actually being 100% made out of hopelessness. Um, there is something very different neurologically between saying there's no hope versus I'm having the thought that there is no hope. Uh, there is something that's different between I am sad and versus I feel sad. I'm having the feeling of sadness. Um, in the first case with uh, there's no hope versus I'm having the thought that there is no hope. One of the first one treats it like fact. The second one is a statement of observation about things that are going through my brain. Um, with the feeling, saying I am sad versus I feel sad or I'm having the feeling of sadness, the first statement, I am sad, I am sad. Like, this isn't, a, I'm not a character in Inside Out, though, ironically, the main character's name is Joy. Um, I am not sad. I am muscle and sinew and bone and fat and skin and hair and a pancreas and a bile duct. And I'm also me memories and experiences, and personality, and a whole bunch of other things. Um, the entirety of my being is not sadness, even though there are times when it definitely fucking feels like that. And just... God damn it. Just the, the un, un, derailing 
So that what happens to a train it gets derailed? Yes, the derailing of the, the life I was working towards and planning on. Um, I'm having the thought that it's really fucking unfair. Having the thought that... Uh, you know, all the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. And we can talk about those. I'm not, talk, I'm not gonna talk about them on this episode, but... Oh... We could definitely talk about those. And the skill of non-judgment. Um, but so acceptance, radical acceptance is uh, just the facts of the situation. So the alien in the room. Um, let's, let's ascribe to the alien in the room, um, telekinetic powers. So he can actually feel my body sensations and hear my thoughts, but ascribes no meaning to them. She's feeling a tightness. This is what the alien would say about me. She's feeling a tightness in her in her throat. The back of her mouth area. She's crying. Um, she's experiencing waves of sadness. Just fucking <laughs> crashing over and over again. But that is the fact of what is happening. I am experiencing sadness. And I'm not spiraling. Um it's a minor distinction. Um, it can sound like a minor distinction. Oh, great. You know, I'm still over here bawling my eyes out with snot bubbling out of my nose. And... Oh, super congested. Um, how is that? How is that a win? Well, I don't want to kill myself right now. So that's a win. I don't want to self-harm right now. So that's a win. Um, I can feel these feelings. I can feel these feelings and not die. Um, I can feel sad. I can have these thoughts and not die. I mean, I've just been sitting here reading a book. Um, there's a romantic partnership in it. And I just 
the last like couple hours just having waves and waves of crying jacks <laughs> and like pick another book joy um and um i don't ah <sighs> there have been times in the last week and a half almost two weeks now since my partner broke up with me that uh that i have not wanted to feel the feelings but have chosen distraction instead um and tonight i was like go ahead feel the feelings there's no one here to hear you there's no activity you're trying to accomplish that is vital that this is getting in the way of it's fine to feel these feelings and i can feel them that's um one of the the first steps or the first experiences that i had in um in dbt um which was just the overwhelm of feeling after having spent virtually my entire life up to that point of avoiding um certain feelings um namely sadness um but also uh fear um pretty much everything i was like um <laughs> I was like a, a sausage making machine. Um you could put in different cuts of beef or pork or chicken, but it all comes out looking the same. And so I you know could have been experiencing a loss or um you know have a worry about something, but it all came out looking like anger. I was an anger sausage machine. <laughs> um cuz I didn't know how to uh feel those other feelings. Um I remember the first time I felt sad. I was I want to say 27 and remember it was shocking i was sitting in the car with one of my best friends and i don't remember what had happened but i remember saying out loud to him i feel really sad and he went really like it was surprising to him it wasn't i don't think it was a judgmental really like really you're feeling sad about whatever this is it was more of a like i didn't know that was a feeling you had <laughs> and i was 27 years old um and then i i mean i know i must have felt sad after that cuz i moved away and that was sad i felt sad doing that um 
So I spent a lot of time numbing and avoiding and um, putting those things into my sausage maker and spitting out anger because anger felt like something that I could tolerate. Anger is the, gives you kind of the, the sense of, I don't know, <laughs> probably the illusion of control of I'm going to go to take charge of a thing. I'm going to go do something because anger as an emotion is a action driving emotion. Um, it's very motivating. Um, I mean, all of our emotions beget certain urges. Clearly sadness, um, has the, oftentimes we have the urge to curl up, you know, self-soothe, um, cry, uh, so for some people, there's the, the desire to isolate when they're sad. For some people, there's the desire to seek out comfort from others when they're sad. But there's, there's kind of this a, a craving that goes along with it. And anger, the, the cravings for anger always felt much more manageable to me than the cravings for really anything else. Or urges, whatever you want to call them. Um, so when I started going to therapy and certainly started, you know, getting into DBT fully and certainly exposure therapy. Fuck. We should talk about exposure therapy. We're not going to do it right now. But that was one of the things was literally sitting with an emotion and feeling it fully. And you know what's amazing about an emotion is, I don't know if... The, what research backs this up, but there's this idea floating around the internet that an emotion will go through your body if it's not fed. If you have a wave of sadness come up and you don't have any, you don't feed the thoughts, um, it takes 90 seconds for an emotion to go through your body. Um, because, I mean, an emotion, I'm sure has, you know, there's a, there's a hormonal component. There's a, a neurological component. You know, there's thoughts that you have. There's physiological changes that happen. Um, That's why you have those heat maps that can show like, here's what a depressed person looks like, and they're all purple. <laughs> and then an angry person, you know, will have more heat. Um, I don't know, in certain parts of their body. And then an anxious person will have more heat in other parts of their body. Um, because there are physiological changes that your body undergoes depending on what emotion you're experiencing. And if you just ride it out, it'll take 90 seconds. And now that I think about it, in the last couple hours while I've been reading this book, I, <laughs> until I picked up my phone and started recording, I would have just this wave and it felt like getting punched in the face of sadness and I would start bawling and a minute or two later I would go back to reading <laughs> so clearly like you know it's again it's if you don't feed it and we'll get we can get into that too the the feeding of um an emotion and what that looks like the the wheel um that starts spinning um, 
But really, what acceptance does um, is it lets things move. Um, I think a lot about like rivers or streams and how, um, you know, the water just keeps moving. And if you throw a log in there, if you throw multiple logs, if you throw concrete in there, the water gets still and deep. And that's kind of my experience of emotions. Like uh, acceptance and validation kind of have uh, similar effects in that way. Invalidation and a lack of acceptance will dam up your emotions, dam up my emotions. And what was just moving through um, now is staying, is stuck. It's all blocked up. And instead of being, you know, a couple feet deep, well, now it's meters and meters deep. And I'm mixing my units of measurement here. Um, yards and yards deep. Um, anybody who's ever been to a reservoir, <laughs> you know, it just, it gets all stuck and still and doesn't move. And emotions, I think, are are supposed to move. They're intended to move. They're like, I mean, if you look at your life, if I look at my life, um, there's not a single emotion that I felt when I was five that I'm still feeling now. You know, there's not a single emotion that I felt when I was in high school that I'm still feeling now, which is not to say I'm like, I obviously felt anger in high school. I feel anger now, but it's not the same anger over the same thing consistently. Like, okay, that emotion has lasted 20, yeah, 20 years. Dear God. Um, No, and I don't think that's true of anybody. Even people who are majority angry are not angry 100% of the time. There are, t- <laughs> there are tiny little moments, tiny little moments, like right after you have a really good shit and you're like, God damn it, that felt good. <laughs> or, um, you know, you're driving in your car and you zone out. That's a tiny little moment when you're feeling something different. So, I mean, emotions are, are fluid and lack of acceptance, non-acceptance and invalidation are like, are like a freezer, you know, they take this fluid thing and they turn it solid. They make it immovable. Um, and it sticks around then for a lot longer. I am using so many mixed metaphors. I'm just, I'm just, yeah, I'm going to stop now. And now we're back to future me. So, um, what you just heard me do was identify my thoughts as thoughts. 
rather than saying that my thoughts are fact. What the fact is, is that I have those thoughts. And the reason this is effective and useful is that when I'm experiencing strong emotions, the gap between an event and my thoughts about the event gets really small. Um, to the point where my thoughts feel like fact, feel like that's what the event was. Um, and so going back to my old standard example of, you know, rain on your wedding day, courtesy of Alanis Morissette here, is that, you know, the gap being really small would look like, I look out the window, I see it's raining, my wedding is ruined. And then, of course, using my own breakup example, um, the my strong emotions resulted in me having an experience that went like this. My partner says he doesn't want to date me anymore and that I need to move out. Oh my God, my entire future is ruined. So like I said, strong emotions can shorten that gap between an event and my thoughts and interpretations about the event. And having a shorter gap between the events and the, those thoughts can result in stronger emotions. So stronger emotions shorten the gap and a short gap results in stronger emotions. It's this lovely little feedback loop. And what identifying thoughts as thoughts does is that it acts kind of like a crowbar that just wedges in between that tiny little space between an event and the thought, and it creates a little bit more space, a tiny bit of breathing room. And the more space I can get between the event and my thoughts about it, the more I'm able to regulate my emotions, which brings me out of distress and into something more manageable. It isn't to say it like erases all the emotions. It just gets me out of the just like maxed out emotion, distress mind and into something that I can handle. And once my emotions are more regulated and manageable, then I can problem solve. I can check the facts. I can breathe. And all of this helps me regulate even more. And eventually I have access to gratitude and can actually get creative. Um, back to my strangely favorite wedding example. So if you remember the original situation was, I look out the window, I see it's raining, my wedding is ruined. If instead I identify my thoughts as thoughts, it can go like this. I look out the window, I see that it's raining, I have the thought that my wedding is ruined. The fact is, I don't know if my wedding is ruined. What is fact is that my wedding isn't going to go the way I want it to go because I wanted a wedding on a day that wasn't raining. Going back to my breakup, if you remember the original situation was, my partner says he doesn't want to date me anymore, that I need to move out, oh my god, my entire future is ruined. And if I apply this, this skill of identifying thoughts as thoughts, it can go like this instead. My partner says he doesn't want to date me anymore and that I need to move out. I'm having the thought that my future is ruined. The fact is I don't know if my future is ruined. What is fact is that the future isn't going to go the way I want it to go because I wanted to spend my life with my now former partner. So you'll notice that acceptance of the facts doesn't actually change the facts, which is a bit of a bummer, yes. Um, my partner still broke up with me. It's still raining on my hypothetical wedding day. Um, acceptance wasn't a magic solution that undid either of those things. Well, one real thing and one hypothetical thing. 
What acceptance did do, though, was allow me to identify my feelings as feelings, to label my thoughts as thoughts, and doing that ultimately helped me regulate. I was still, I mean, towards the end of that flashback that we just listened to where I was crying, um, you noticed I was crying through the whole thing. Um, And so I was still feeling emotion, even at the end, but it wasn't strong cataclysmic emotion. Strong emotions, so like 70 and above in the SUDs, the subjective units of distress that I mentioned at the beginning of this episode. Um, When our emotions are 70 and above, 70 out of 100, uh, it turns off our problem-solving part of our brains. So regulating my emotions so that they get below 70 gives me access to my entire brain. I can feel emotion and still problem-solve and get creative and still feel that emotion. Um, So yeah, so those are my thoughts and uh, experience using um, some acceptance and checking of the facts around um, my breakup. And a reminder, if you want to dig into more of what um, radical acceptance looks like in the DBT notebook, it's Distress Tolerance Handout 11. And if you want to know about checking the facts, please hold while I find it. It's Emotion Regulation Handout 8. So you can go take a look at those. There's a link to the PDF of the whole DBT manual on my website. All right. So I'm going to peace out now. Bye. (laughs) I don't know how to end this. This has been Let's Therapize That Shit with your host, me, Joy Gerhard. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends about it. We'll see you next time.